Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. I do. Uh, I just step up my my backdrop. I, I was going to say I, this. Is one of the things I said to you when I was silent is I like your backdrop. Yeah, I do. Uh, I just switch it up a little bit. What's that behind you? It's an electrical transformer. So, so these are two. Um, it's called like blueprint art. So what they do is they take your like, patent art. So what they do is they take like the blueprints that are submitted with the patents. Um, so these are two of Tesla Nikola Tesla's uh, patents. One's for the AC generator, and the other's for an AC transformer. No, it looks so, really cool, but you're a huge I've got nerd. A, a little bit of work and a little bit of uh, a little bit of sport here. Yeah, Jordan's get... actually visible without me having to like duck out of the way now. I do like. Have you seen the Twitter account? It's um, like grading people's backdrops in their homes. Oh no, I have not seen that. <laughs> it's, uh, check That's it out. Funny. It's pretty funny. Welcome into the Illini Inquirer podcast. Jeremy Warner with Ryan Easterling here today. And Ryan, we're going to talk about some big mo. Does Illinois have momentum in football recruiting? Might be a little bit different than the last time we talked. They get a couple commits here on the board in May after a what was a very hard April as everyone else was adding commitments. But we'll break down the commitments. We'll kind of look at the strategy involved with everything uh but ryan i mean this is just looking at based on how this has gone just a a little bit of what i hear it does seem like illinois adjusted a little bit maybe they just needed more time with a couple of their guys but it does feel like once they saw the dead period was going to extend in ncaa once they knew that they weren't going to get these kids on visits like they'd hoped that okay now, now we got to adjust to what the recruiting period is what this unprecedented time is and push a little bit, and, and they get a couple commitments, Prince Green and, and Trevor Moffitt on, on the high school route. So those guys felt like guys they could get anyway, and, and maybe you'll see that a little bit more coming this month is that there's a little bit more urgency to, okay, this is what the recruiting process is. We got to adjust to it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think they saw what was happening. They saw that a lot of guys were flying off the board uh, nationally, and they realized that they needed to get in on it. Otherwise, I mean, you, know, you can take that wait-and-see approach, but – you wait too long. There's a good chance that you're you're going to be recruiting committed guys down the road and and trying to do flips as opposed to trying to get a guy before they make that first pledge. So I think you know better late than never. I, I think they probably could have closed on some more guys had they started a little sooner. But um, you know they've they've been able to really start turning up the momentum. It's, and it's not like they weren't in contact with some of these right. guys. They were definitely reaching out. It's just, I don't think they had the full court press on like a lot of people were hoping and a lot of other schools had on. And I think now that they saw what was, what was happening with the landscape, they finally just had that, that reevaluation, that, that aha moment where they're like, all right, let's, let's just uh, pivot here a little bit and let's, let's start getting it done. And I, I think they've put themselves in good position for a few other guys on top of just a couple of commitments they've already received. Well, let's be honest, Ryan. I mean, there is some 
you know, credibility behind wait until a kid comes on campus. Because one, you want to see them and get the physical of them, which is usually height, weight, length. Uh, they measure all that stuff when they get on campus. Uh, number two is make sure you like the kid, uh, the person, his family. It's all of a fit right there. And then make sure the kid really wants to be there and, and sees the campus and make sure because uh, you don't want decommitments to happen. Um, so I, I get that. And, and they got that taken away, like right as spring ball was about to start when they really do make recruiting pushes that was kind of taken away but they have they have you know push now for kids prince green never visited campus yet trevor moffitt hasn't visited campus yet a few of their other top targets that they could close on here haven't been to campus yet uh, but every other school in the country is doing that so i think they had to kind of adjust to that but i haven't asked you about we haven't talked about on this prince green uh, the Atlanta three-star defensive back who kind of got this thing going a little bit. Uh, three-star wide receiver, could play DB. He's going to play DB for Illinois most likely. But a really good athlete, Ryan. What, what do you think of him when you see him on film? He's got a lot of good physical traits. I, I think he's got some of the length and the athleticism that they look for in a cornerback or in a defensive back. Um, you know, I think he could really plug in at either spot. Illinois likes bigger cornerbacks. I mean, Nate Hobbs is a great example of that, uh, a lengthy guy with good athleticism. Uh, but I think he's also got the possibility of playing some safety, and you know, maybe that's a better spot to start him out at. You really don't want to be flip-flopping in between the two his entire career. There's only a few guys really that are capable of doing things like that. And some guys come to mind are Tavon Wilson, who played both safety and corner, and then uh, Tony Adams more recently has kind of done that. But, you know, I think I think he's got some some technique to work on. Uh, he's still a little bit raw, um, but he's got some athleticism that they can mold. And I, I think the expectation is that maybe he doesn't have to deliver right away. Right. They can take their time. They can develop him. Um, you know, he doesn't have to be an instant contributor. And so by being able to take that time to work on that technique and refine that technique, um, it gives him a chance to, to settle in for a year or two and then get into the rotation a little bit down the road. Because, you know, in theory, their, their top two cornerbacks for the first year or two that he'd be on campus would be Quez Beeson and um, Devin Witherspoon. So he's got some time before we really have to be thrust into any sort of a starting role. And it, it's time to get some of those kinks worked out. Yeah, I think what you've seen with Lovey Smith is side on the air of traits, right? Um, 6'2", 190. You know, some of these measurements, you know, when you get 40 times self-reported aren't, aren't very good. But, I mean, this kid's got legit power five speed at that kind of size. But you're right, Ryan. You, you turn on the film, there, there's some technique stuff he's got to work on. He, he's probably been more focused on wide receiver because what high school kid isn't more focused on being an offense player? Besides Marquez Beeson, I guess. Um, but most of those kids are more focused on that, that side of the ball. Uh, but, yeah, I think this is a kid that has a high ceiling, also could have a lower floor. But at some point, you feel like he's going to get on the field because he's got those power five traits. Which I, I know that's kind of been a, a phrase I use over and over again with Lovey Smith. I have no question. Lovey Smith can find these kind of guys, and, and they do a really good job of evaluating those power five traits. It's just you got to develop them. And I still feel like it's early in his tenure to know how some of those guys will turn out that are currently 2018, 2019 kids uh, to see how they turn out. But a Mark Mondes here, for instance, maybe hasn't worked out to be the difference maker, but he does contribute on special teams. He gives you depth uh, because he's got that kind of speed, that kind of, uh, you know, athleticism to him. Yeah, I mean, you see some of the things on on Green's tape. You can see where he maybe makes a bad read or doesn't doesn't read a play right. Maybe he jumps a little prematurely on a fake, uh, and that's stuff that comes out when you watch film. That's stuff that comes out when you get to college. And you know, kind of like you said, you know, 
it's it's a matter of seeing how Lovey Smith does as far as a development of a player from beginning to end of career. You know, in the pros, they tend to get guys that are pretty far along as far as skill. You get the best of the best. So there's really small things you're working on at that point. Um, and now you're kind of working with more moldable clay. You're working mm-hmm. with younger guys that are still getting the hang of the position. You know, they get good coaching in high school, but they get better coaching in college. And then, you know, in theory, the pros are the best level. So seeing what he's able to do with a guy from start to finish is, is going to be really interesting. You've seen guys like Nate Hobbs make big jumps, uh, especially some of the linebackers yeah. have made big jumps under Lovey's tutelage. So, I mean, a guy like Jake Hansen had great instincts coming out of high school, uh, got to Illinois and has just really flourished under, under Lovey's coaching. So, you know, he's going to leave a whole lot better than when he came, had some skills to start out with, but you know, what he's able to do with somebody that's a little more raw um, is going to be interesting, kind of an interesting case study yeah. uh, just to see how much he can, he can grow him from, and just an athletic prospect with potential and traits to a finished product as, you know, a junior or a senior that's in theory, either in the rotation or starting. In development, you would think of the back seven should be a strength of Lovey Smith. And I think it has been right. I mean, Delshawn mm-hmm. Phillips uh, turned into all big 10 caliber player. We saw Jake Hansen and Dele Harding do that last year. Uh, Mio Leifler obviously has a lot of talent. I'm really interested to see what he does with another year in the system. Uh, Nate Hobbs didn't have a dump, but any power five offers when they offered him. So it was a good eval and he's developing into an all big 10 caliber talent. Sidney Brown was a, was a weird find, uh, you know, under the surface find that they were able to get. And he got all big 10 third team last year. So I, I've, I've been really impressed, Ryan, and we'll get into this kind of lead us into the Trevor Moffitt of how they evaluate linebackers and defensive backs. I think they've, haven't landed maybe some star superstars. I, well, I guess they have with Shimon Cooper and, and Marquez Beeson, but um, even the guys that they find and maybe are the first power five offers, I usually feel like are pretty good prospects. And, and I'll include Trevor Moffitt into that. They get a three-star Florida linebacker commit out of him this week. And, uh, you know, 6'2", 190 sounds more like a safety size. But you turned on that film, Ryan, and I know you liked what I, uh, what you saw, and, and so did I. I. I think a lot of those uh, highlights jump out at you. Yeah, I mean, I still have some questions with Moffitt just based on what isn't on his film. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what is on his film is extremely impressive. And that's, that's the what highlight makes me film, think, right? The highlight film always doesn't oh, tell yeah. the whole story. Yeah, and I mean, the thing is, what you see when you put on the tape is a guy that just absolutely just rockets towards the ball. Uh, he plays very, very downhill. Um, he's almost like a, a pass rush specialist in a way right mm-hmm. now, but I, I don't think he's limited to just that. Um, early in his career, I, I think he could be an exceptional special teams player. Um, you know, he may not have to jump in right away, although they are, after after this year's junior class, they, they are pretty thin at linebacker on the yeah. roster. So I, I would expect them to emphasize that. We've seen they've got some other targets in this class, and maybe they address it with the transfer, but – you know, he has a chance to really turn into something good as an outside linebacker just because he's so quick off the jump. Um, and for a guy that weighs less than 200 pounds right now, he's actually really, really good at shedding blocks. Uh, that was one of the things I think was kind of impressive in his tape is he's able to get off his blocks pretty well. Um, but usually with that, that quick first step that he has, he's, and he's a track guy. Mm-hmm. That's, that's one thing that has been more and more of a point is – uh, if you play a sport, either run track or play another sport, because it's going to make you a better athlete. And he is, he is almost as accomplished in track as he is in football. Um, and that kind of shows when you watch, watch how he plays. 
I mean, some of the questions I have, I still want to see how he does in pass coverage. He's only really got a couple clips of of pass coverage on his tape, and it's like a five-minute long tape of him (laughs) basically just running amok in the backfield. (laughs) But, you know, I want to see how he does when he's running with a tight end or, you know, running with a a running back out of the backfield on like a flare or something like that. Uh, You know, he has the speed and the athleticism to keep up. That's not the question. The question is just – you know, in diagnosing those plays, is he going to take the right angles? Is he going to be able to stay in the guy's hip pocket without interfering? Uh, you know, when the, when the pass is in the air, is he going to be able to jump at the right times? Does he have those instincts? And, you know, that's yet to be seen. But again, like we talked about with, with Prince Green, those are things you can teach. Yeah. Um, but the athleticism he has is something he's, he's, one, just gifted with, and two, has developed over time. And, you know, as he puts on weight, great frame. He's super lean right now. He's on the weightlifting so team, on, right? I mean, it's it's yeah. a strong lean, uh, and that's how kind of Shaman Cooper is. He's he's a leaner kid, but he's very strong, and that's kind of how Moffat looks too. Yeah, Moffat had a Moffat had a video on Twitter, I think it was, of him repping out four hundred five pounds twice on squat like it was nothing, and uh, you know that kind of shows like his explosiveness because you know that's a big one for speed and explosion is is lower body strength, and so. He might not weigh that much, but he's strong, he's fast, he's quick. Uh, And those are all things that I think are required of a really good outside linebacker. Those are some of the things, and obviously Lance Briggs was a lot bigger. Right. But those were things that Lance Briggs had was that quickness and that speed that that made him great, and then he'd stack the weight on later. Yeah, at the beginning of the tape, it almost feels like, okay, is this going to be a Dawson DeGroote highlight film where he's just knocking people out, right? Like Dawson's physicality was great. Uh, played safety was a little skinnier though this kid isn't skinny I mean he's lean and strong uh, but yeah the speed is is just next level and I mean he might have like I mean you go to the opening or you go to some of these combine events like we have Ryan Under Armour I think he'd shine like he'd have like these one of the highest ratings uh, of the combine skills as you had my questions are you know the football part of it and and that's where with Prince Green it's kind of the same thing is okay how does he develop but the good thing is um, you know, there are just a couple underclassmen linebacker on this current team and they're good in Barnes and Cooper, but he should have a year to, to develop. Right. I mean, that's what you love about now. These guys aren't going to be thrown in the fire. Like, like all these other guys, like you have time to redshirt and get old and get mature and add all that weight. I mean, Shimon Cooper, if he would have came here two years prior would have been starting. Now you got a guy that can sit behind and actually redshirt a year as a four-star prospect. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing is physical development is going to be important for, for guys like that. And for guys that they're trying to, to bring along and, and develop. Um, and, but the thing is he's got the frame, like he's, he's got a broad frame. Um, some of these guys they've got like Prince green is, is a big kid. I mean, he's six, two, probably 185, 190, but he can, he can easily carry two Oh five once he gets to college. Um, I, I mean, I could see Moffitt getting up to two twenty and still being just as quick as he is now. Um, so that, that athleticism, I think is going to go a long way, uh, for him, you know, he's starting off in a great spot. It's not like he's, he's already hit his peak. He's starting off in a great spot and now has a chance to, in a college weight program, really elevate himself to that next level. Yeah. Uh, I like him. I, I think he was pretty good eval by the staff and I like that they pushed to close this one right now. Cause yeah, you're right. They need probably three linebackers in this class. So you, you kind of lock one up there. Uh, speaking of, um, he talked about how Lovey Smith said this is a new age of linebacker. And, and I do think we're seeing that a little bit, Ryan, and that linebackers are getting leaner. They're, they're getting faster. And whenever I, I kind of struggle at times, we'll get into this with Trey Sean Smith as well. 
who's definitely a safety, but like Derek Smith. People ask me what position he's going to play. Or LeVar Gardner, who they added as a Juco. And I just kind of call him linebacker slash DB. I mean, we, we had this in the Beckman era with the star position, right? Was was it a bandit? Uh, for, for I think that was Vic? I think those were Vic Vic Coning. Yeah, it was yeah. it was it was Bandit and Star uh, under Vic, and it was kind of like that modified DN linebacker. Yeah. And, you know, you get the guy that was playing stand up, and that was kind of what Mike a guy like Mike Buchanan was early on was that that Bandit position, um, and then the Star was kind of like your your nickel safety right. type of player. You know, that six foot two hundred pound guy. Like I, I think Eric Finney was one of those. Right. So rover striker. I mean, there, there's a lot of those coming in now, and I think Moffitt could be a guy like that as well. I mean, again, we got to figure out what he can do in pass coverage, but it's it's kind of almost. I wonder if we're eventually we're starting to get the edge. In, instead of saying defensive ends all the time, we just say edge rusher. Uh, I wonder if at some point we're just going to say, I don't know, hybrid linebacker or rover or whatever it is, because that seems like a real position for most teams now in college football and the NFL. Yeah, there's all this talk about positionless basketball, and now you're starting to see some elements of positionless football. I mean, I think for a guy's benefit, it's going to be best that once they get to campus, they really grow into one position and are able to stick with it. But I think what that versatility does is it enables you to switch up your looks a little bit. You know, you don't have to sit in the same base defense the entire time and have the same guy do everything. It gives you some flexibility with the types of coverages and the types of fronts that you show uh, against opponents because – You've got a guy that's equally good in in coverage downfield as he is in pass rushing, as he is in getting after the running back. So, you know, being able to have those multifaceted, multi-talented linebackers just because they're so athletic that they can run with a a wider variety of players, I think that gives you more options and more looks that you can throw at your opponents. All right, so the other addition is an immediate impact one, and that's Trayshawn Smith. Uh, transfer U continues. A Louisville safety transfer uh, should have two years of eligibility left as a graduate transfer, which is just huge in this whole thing. We've talked about it so much. You, you get so many transfers with multiple years of eligibility. But when I look at this move, Ryan, I, I sit there and go, this is where you add depth, you add a proven, experienced player, and this allows you that versatility you're talking about because Treshawn Smith, who started games at Louisville, would have been a starter last year if he weren't suspended, uh, was likely to have been a starter this year. And guy I talked to, Michael McCayman, who, co- who covers Louisville, raved about him as a player. Um, you add him to where Sidney Brown maybe can stay in the box, where I think he's a little bit better. Uh, Treshawn Smith can be in the box at times as well. But maybe Derek Smith, right? You can rotate those guys at safety, play Derek Smith at linebacker if you want keep Tony Adams at corner, maybe actually have a nickel position uh, kind of full-time on your on your team. Um, I, I think Treshawn Smith is definitely going to be part of this rotation, could start for you. You know, 70 tackles, two picks in his first two years, underclassman at Louisville. That's um, pretty impressive, and it just, just adds more aged depth and experience and talent to your roster. Yeah, when you look at when you look at corner, safety, and linebacker, you kind of get that like Venn diagram mm-hmm. of positions where there's a little bit of overlap in between corner and safety, and then safety and linebacker. And you've got guys you mentioned like Lavar Gardner and Derek Smith who could potentially play a couple different positions. Uh, I think by getting a guy like Treshawn Smith uh, that is pretty pretty well entrenched at safety, that means that you're not having to rob other positions. Uh, to fill the safety position, you know, safety is kind of that pivot spot. Yeah, he looks like a free. Those other spots. He looks like a free safety to me, right? I mean, Sidney Brown's kind of played both, but I think Sidney's more of a strong kind of guy. 
Yeah, Sidney has with Sidney bulking up the way he did, I think he's more equipped now to play down the box. And, you know, this is really Smith's biggest addition is you look at how the defense played last year with Stanley Green, mm-hmm. and you look at how they played without Stanley Green. And nobody really thought that before the season, but Stanley Green ended up being an extremely important part of that defense and just how successful they were. And so with him departing, there was a gap there. And Yeah, just to hit on that, right? Like when he got healthy – and Sydney was getting healthy too, right? They both had injuries during camp. But when Stanley came in, it just allowed everyone else to play the role they're supposed to, right? I don't know, if, you know, Sydney. I know he graded out well, or um, Stanley graded out well by Pro Football Focus, and he had a good year. But I wouldn't call him like the best player on that back four. But he just allowed Tony Adams to play a position he's better at in corner, right, rather than safety. Mm-hmm. He allowed Sydney to 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 kind of be more reactive than have to be the back end. Cause I don't know if Sydney's the best back end guy. Um, Stanley was just reliable and stable and it just allowed everyone else to just kind of play more free. Yeah. And it, it, it's almost like if you remember at NCAA football, which man, I really missed that game. <laughs> uh, if you remember in NCAA football, when you're kind of adjusting your roster at the beginning of the year, you can do the position changes. Well, if you move a guy from his natural position to a different position, even though he has the athletic abilities and still has high ratings and some of those metrics, they still took an overall hit. So yeah. like you can move a guy from free safety to strong safety, but his overall rating went down. And that's kind of what happened without Stanley green is like you said, guys were playing out of position. They were, uh, you know, not in their, in their best spot. And as a, you know, as a collective, it kind of brought down the the proficiency of the defense. Whereas you plug him back into the, at that position, everyone plays the position that's more natural to them. And it's, it's a domino effect. And so by getting a guy like Trey Sean Smith, you're able to keep guys like Tony Adams predominantly in that, that second or third corner spot. You're able to keep uh, potentially Derek Smith or LeVar Gardner a linebacker. And I mean, to me, Gardner and Trevor Moffat have a lot of those same traits. Yeah. They are just like super fast headhunter kind of linebackers, not not headshot linebackers, yeah. but headhunter linebackers. They'll just go out there and really pop you. Um, so, I, you know, adding him there um, makes other positions better just as much as he makes the safety position itself better. Yeah. Um, and, you know, depth too. I mean, injuries happen and now all of a sudden you feel like, you know, if Quan Martin's your fourth safety, um, that, that's a pretty big step when that was a guy starting at cornerback the last couple of years for you, Ryan. I mean, we're starting to look at this too deep and I, I actually did my Lindy's magazine preview. They've had me do it the last couple of years. And I was just looking at the two deep and the one deep, actually, I had to stretch just to put two sophomores possibly in it. And that's two transfers, Chase Brown and Luke Ford. Um, if, if you want to qualify those guys kind of as starters and, and Daniel Barker and Mike Epstein probably are the guys there. So um, all juniors and seniors. I, I mean, and Lovey Smith talked about it. You know, this is supposed to be his best team. And I, I agree. I think this is the best looking two deep. With NFL prospects, maybe not first-round guys, but NFL guys on this two deep. Uh, now, how long will they be here? That's the concern because you got so many seniors. But this is a very good two deep they've put together, and this transfer portal has just elevated that, and and I think really stabilized them. Into my expectation is that this roster should make a, a bowl game. Uh, it's just what kind of bowl game or how many wins can they get with the schedule. Yeah, I mean, this has been one of the most talented rosters that Illinois has had top to bottom in a long time. And the experience of all those juniors and seniors is a big part of that. You know, they, they kind of took their lumps the first two years playing so many young guys. And, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty on that. Should, could they have taken some more experienced players and, as transfers and JUCOs right away to 
to try and offset the dip that would happen there. Sure. They could have, um, but now they've got a bunch of juniors and seniors that have played a lot of football and have a lot of valuable experience. Um, and of course the key to that now is with those guys having played so much, your freshmen and sophomores really haven't played a ton. So it's going to be important to get those guys ex- some meaningful experience this year, as much as you're able to do that. Um, but this is one of their more talented teams. And, and you know, you're talking about a two deep, they finally actually have it too deep. <laughs> um, you know, they've got, they've got depth at a lot of important positions. I mean, there's still some that are a bit thin, uh, but as, you know, as a whole, as and you're looking at the roster overall, they've, they've got better depth in general than they've had the entire time that Lovey Smith has been around. So, you know, I think a bowl game is, is definitely a probable. I think a bowl game is a, a, kind of your floor. If you're really setting expectations, Yeah. Um, you really want to take that next step forward, win seven games, win a bowl game, have, have an above 500 season for the first time. And shoot, since what, 2011, right. 2011, 2012, whatever the craft fight hunger bowl was, um, you know, you want to finish above 500. That's, that's part of taking that next step, continuing to build. Otherwise you feel like, you know, you're, you don't want to just plateau, right. keep it moving and keep that momentum. Um, this is the one time you don't want to flatten the curve. Um, <laughs> right. So, you know, yeah. if they're able to, to continue to take those steps forward and just build that program, you know, I, th- I think that's what you're looking to do. And that should really be the goal. Anything less than that, you know, almost feel like you, you sold yourself a little short. Yeah. I mean, anything less than a bowl game, we're having a much different conversation here, right? E- even if they're mm-hmm. six and six, like, and, and maybe you win the bowl, um, you feel a little bit better, but even then you'd feel a little bit disappointing based on how just lovely talks about this team. And I think what year five of a build should be with four uh, straight recruiting classes. Uh, but we've, we've praised them for their transfer um, recruiting, Ryan. And, and you have six guys right now. And as of right now, the scholarship chart I have is full, which is, had been a rarity for Lovey Smith uh, at this late, um, even at May 15th. Usually it's not until later on in the year, even if then. So we don't know if there's a walk-on who's not going to get a scholarship again. I don't know if Donnie Navarro is definitely going to get one again. I would hope he does. Um, but we don't know all those details, and maybe somebody transfers out before then. So they still could add somebody, and, and Jack Heflin from Northern Illinois would make a lot of sense there. Um, you know, All-Mac player the last two years. I know they've shown interest in him. I know other schools have interest in him. Iowa would be one to watch, a kid out of Prophetstown right across the border uh, from Iowa. Uh, but if, if they fill that role too, that that's the one big need, I think, for this next season they still have. Because while I know every Illinois fan wants and some expect Calvin Avery to take a big step forward, we just don't know. I, I thought this was going to be a very telling spring for him, and the staff didn't get to see that. So even if they're cautiously optimistic about Calvin, uh, we just haven't seen the consistency and really the body transformation that you want to see. Then Jamal Woods has struggled with injuries his career, so even if he's good, he hasn't been able to stay on the field. Anthony Shipton making a big leap from Juco, and then Deion Pates just more of a, a rotation player, in my opinion. Then you got some freshmen I like, but they're they're really a year or two away from making an impact. So if you can add Heflin, yeah, if you can add Heflin to the mix, um, I'd feel pretty good about how they went about this transfer portal. Yeah, I mean, if even if you just look at it from the numbers, you graduate Jamal Milan, graduate Kenyon Jackson, and you graduate Tymer Oliver. Those are three guys who played a lot of football uh, on the interior of that defensive line, and you know, you add a guy like Anthony Shipton. I mean, he's a big guy. So you've got a guy that can hold his own physically in the middle of the line. But you, like you said, big jump from Juco to big 10. Uh, and then you've got freshmen who just aren't that physically developed. And I mean, as good as Johnny Newton might end up being, 
you know, is he really going to be ready to get in there and hold his own against some some of the best offensive linemen in the country? Right. And and that's the question. And I, I don't know that you really want to put that on him his freshman year. I don't I don't think that's fair to him. Um, you know, if you can add a guy like Jack Heflin, who's played a lot of football, you know, regardless of Mac, the Mac is still a good conference. And there's a lot of Mac teams that beat a lot of good power five teams every year. It just happens. I mean, Northern Illinois beat Nebraska. Yeah. So, and he was on that team. And so, you know, if you can add a guy like him, he's a big body, he eats up space. To me, the biggest thing about the pass rush that's been a problem for Illinois, and they've had good defensive tackles. But if you can get a guy that can really command double teams, that means that somebody else is unblocked and then somebody else is unblocked and that frees up your defensive ends. And if they can win those one-on-one battles that they're going to start getting on the outside. And I I think you're going to see that they'll start doing that now that some of these guys are getting older. Uh, If they can start winning some of those battles on the outside, um, you know, I think you're going to see Illinois' pass rush improve. Uh, It's been an area that they've struggled a little bit as far as generating consistent pressure and getting home on the pass rush. If, you know, it all starts, it's, it's similar to the safety position where if you've got a guy that does his job there and is, is suited to do his job there, that makes everybody else better. It's really a, um, you know, the, the sum of everything being greater than the sum of the parts. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, they played their best defense last year when Jamal Moan looked his healthiest. Right, like mm-hmm. when he was disruptive, that's when the defense. Uh, I thought Wisconsin game, he was really good. Purdue, he was the best player in the game that day. Uh, during that that win streak, I thought he played his best football. Then he seemed to get nicked up again. Uh, but yeah, Heflin, I watched and I thought, I don't know if there's an All Big Ten player. I don't know if he's a certified NFL draft pick like some people seem to think he is. Uh, but I watched him against Nebraska last year, and, and he more than held his own. And I think he could be, you know, a very good run stuffer and a guy who does demand. Uh, double teams, just not a guy, Ryan, that I think is going to go get you five sacks, even though he had six one year against for Northern Illinois. I don't see that kind of explosiveness uh, out of him, but he's very strong. Uh, kind of reminds me a little bit of Rob Bain, um, who was a starter for 20 something games for Illinois. So that, that'd be a nice addition. Yeah, I mean, you really just want a guy that's going to command blockers. Yeah. Uh, he's he's experienced, and I think the other thing he provides too is he he can provide some leadership. Yep. You know, he'd be new to the team, but we've seen in a lot of cases where guys who are newer come in and actually end up being a great presence in the locker room. And I think a guy like him that's that's blue collar that's had to earn everything that he he's gotten. I mean, he former walk on um, yeah. and became an all conference player in the MAC. I mean, that's that's no small feat, um, and so. You know, you lose a guy like like Willie Batiku on top of all those defensive tackles, and the, the off or the defensive line really has um, some rebuilding to do this year. Yeah. Um, With two new coaches then, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and, you, and you've got two separate coaches for each of the positions. So, but I, I think if if guys like Keith Randolph step up, if if Seth Coleman can start getting in the mix, still got Owen Carney. Um, it's Isaiah Gay time. Just, it's Isaiah, Isaiah Gay. It's his time. Calvin yeah, Avery, I mean, it's his time, right? Yeah, and if these guys can step up and grow into those roles, it's going to be big. But anytime you can add an experienced presence like Heflin, I mean, that just makes a huge that just makes a huge difference. Yeah, Iowa would be one to watch there. I, there's a lot of Big Ten schools. I've heard his his phone's gotten really blown up. All right, Ryan, when we come back, let's kind of rank the transfers Illinois added this offseason. That's next on the Illini Enquirer podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. But as for the six transfers they have right now, who do you, I sent you a list of who I thought would make the biggest impact, Ryan. Um, so let's just do it on the podcast. Who do you think of the six transfers? I'll run through the names. Blake Jarosadi, offensive line. Treshawn Smith, safety. Christian Bell, defensive end. Desmond Dan, wide receiver. Brian Hightower, wide receiver. Brevin Jones, offensive line. All these have different years attached to them. So if I was just going 2020 rankings, I'd go Jarosadi one because I think he's no doubt going to start. And I probably have Treshawn Smith too, but over their careers and they have different years. So that makes it interesting. Who do you think makes the biggest impact? I mean, given that he's multi-year and just the kind of player that I think he can be, I mean, Brian Hightower is, is the, the most talented of that whole group. Agreed. Um, given the need that he's filling, I, you know, Illinois has not, they've done okay at recruiting safeties, but they haven't really done great at recruiting impact safeties. Um, you know, Sidney Brown turned out to be a, a pretty good windfall, but you know, when they lost Bennett Williams, that left a big hole in the roster, which what a find um, that was, <laughs> and they're just yeah, not able to, yeah. keep him. but a guy like Treshawn Smith, one, being able to come in immediately having starting experience and having two years to play. Uh, I think his impact can be big. Uh, the other one too, and especially if he can get it together early, I know he's got to sit a year. Uh, but if he can, if he can really get up to speed over the course of the next year, Brevin Jones could be a, a great addition. Because if you have a guy that's basically had what will equate to two redshirt years, only one of them is going to count. Um, but if he basically has the equate the equivalent of two redshirt years, especially given the hole that's there at guard on this roster, yeah. I mean, man, that, or tackle. That, I, I look at him and I think he'd be a tackle. But he was, he was. Uh... He's, practicing. he's got the arms. Yeah, he's got the length in the arms. I think he's only 6'4", but he's got longer arms than that. Um, but, yeah, anywhere. Center, uh, guard, tackle. They, can, they just need there's a, lot, any, there's a lot of guys graduating. Yeah, they just need a starter yeah. there. And then Kendrick Green, of course, we both think can be an NFL prospect after this year. So I I, I want to put Brevin Jones above Treshawn Smith, even though I, I almost for sure know Treshawn Smith is going to be in the rotation and probably a starter. They need Brevin Jones more than Treshawn Smith. And I would put Brian Hightower one too, just because the talent and we talk about need uh, wide receiver is a massive need. Once they use oh, yeah. Bebe, uh trade, uh, yeah, smalling Sydney. Um, they, they have a huge need and I, I, you pencil him in as the number one starter um, in 2021, even though you haven't seen him yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he's just, he's a physical presence. You lose, Imator Bebe, you lose Smalling, and those are two of your best go up and get it kind of receivers. And they just haven't had a guy like that that they've recruited from high school in a long time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're able to to keep him on the roster for a couple years into the future, that really helps buffer that. I, you know, I think one of their most important recruits 
after the end of the season is going to end up being Kendrick Green. Yeah. And, you know, I love he's going to support his decision no matter what he decides to do. But we, we talked about this before. I mean, him coming back would be absolutely huge for that line just from a, a standpoint of him being a leader, uh, having been on that line with all those other guys and being able to kind of pass the torch in that year to the other guys and get them – um, you know, up to up to the standard before he moves on. I mean, if the right NFL opportunity comes calling, nobody will blame him no. for that. No. But if he's able to come back, I mean, what that would do for this for that offensive line would be, uh, you know, it's immeasurable, really. Right, because you know you're losing four of your five starters, which would include Jarisati, who I'd have higher on the list if this were just 2020. I'd have him number one. Um, but you lose all four because the graduating, and if you lose a fifth in Kendrick Green. You talk about the defensive line overturning. At least there's some starts coming back with guys like Isaiah Gay. Um, but, yeah, that would be really tough to replace, and that's why you think they'd take a dip in 2021. All right, so we got Hightower, Smith, Jones, Gersati. Then I put Christian Bell. I think he can start because Owen Carney mm-hmm. hasn't shown enough to me that, that he's a disruptor. He's a solid rotation player. Um, but hasn't shown enough of me as a disruptor yet. Christian Bell was a rotation player on one of the best defensive teams in the country his entire career there. And uh, former top 600 prospect, Alabama originally signed him, went to uh, Wisconsin, and they liked him there. It's just they had Zach Vaughn and, and some other NFL draft prospects there. So I think that's a guy who can benefit a lot uh, from stepping into uh, Illinois. Yeah, and that brings up a good point. Defensive end is – I don't want to jump the gun here, but defensive end is going to be one of the best camp battles out there because mm-hmm. last year really the only defensive end position that was kind of a given was Patiku. And with him moving on to, to pursue an NFL career, it's open competition. Uh, and I think there are some front runners out there. And with a guy like Bell coming in, I think you got to expect that he's probably going to be – one of those front runners. I think Keith Randolph has a good chance to be one of those front runners. And then Isaiah Gay, I mean, you said it, this is the year that he needs to really step in and, and make an impact. He's flashed it and he's shown it. He's one of the strongest guys pound for pound on the team. It's just, can he translate that to the field? And if he can do that this year, then that, that unit has a chance to be pretty good. Yeah, I will say last year, the last five games, he was probably their most disruptive defensive lineman. Um, you know, I thought the bowl game he played really well. Um, you know, even Iowa, I thought he played pretty well. So I, I do think Gabe, I would put in as one of those starters next year. Desmond Dan, I have last on this list, Ryan, just because he's coming off injury played at New Mexico State and wasn't a star there. So I like him as a depth piece. I just don't know how high of an impact he'll make. So they need it because wide receivers, we've talked about, is a very, very thin position, an unproven position for them, especially after this year. Uh, So it's nice to have a bridge guy there. Maybe you can get the most out of him. Good size, good athleticism, uh, just not a lot of special traits there. Yeah, I mean, you said he's a depth piece, um, and you know maybe he outperforms the expectations. Yeah. But coming off of an injury, I think you have to be a little bit guarded about how much you expect out of him. And you look at who else you you've got on the roster this year. You've got you've still got Imatro Bebe. You've still got Ricky Smalling. Uh, you add Luke Ford into the passing game. Um, James Frenchy comes in. I think there's a chance he probably gets some reps in there. I I don't think there's a way you can really redshirt Frenchie, especially if Trayvon Sidney is still not back to hundred mm-hmm. percent. And so, um, you know, moving forward, I, there's, there's definitely opportunities for him to get out there. It's just, he's not a super explosive guy. I think he runs really good routes. He's a pretty good intermediate route runner. Um, he's just not a guy that's going to burn a whole lot of big 10 defensive backs. Right. Uh, he, to me, he's, he's a little bit like Sam Mays. 
Uh, yeah. you know, he's a, he's a strider. He's, he's a little taller, big frame, good catch radius. Just not a guy that's going to leave, leave somebody in the dust. Right. All right, Ryan. Um, so do we have momentum that, that will play out over the next couple weeks. I would imagine we'll see how many commits they end up with in May. If, if you can end this month with five or six in the class of 2023 or 2021, I think you'd be very happy. Uh, get back on track and catch you up a little bit with some of your competitors here. Uh, but we still, we still had some gifts that haven't been answered, which the Bellamy and Al Davis suggesting out of Georgia, specifically Atlanta. Al Davis made that. It's at in Atlanta. And uh, two guys that I would really pay attention to out of Atlanta are two kids out of Westlake, which you and I know because Julian Jones played at Westlake, Christian Abercrombie played at Westlake. So it's a very, very good program. And they've gotten in really well with two kids here really just in the last month. Sidarius McConnell, a defensive line, three-star kid with several Power 5 offers. And another one to watch is, is tight end Leo Blackburn, who I had you watch the film just to confirm with me striking similarities to Lou Dorsey, which is a very, very good thing. Um, really good receiver, gr- good athlete, but thin for a tight end. He's more of a wide receiver right now. But those two would be very good gets if, if they can get them. Uh, but it's also encouraging that Lovey Smith, we've talked about how he you know, invested into Atlanta rather than in-state in our in-state recruiting discussion. It's good to see if that could you know, pay off here pretty quickly with Jimmy Lindsay and Al Davis getting into there. Yeah. Lately, it seems like the staff's really had Georgia on their mind. (laughs) Please, please add the bump sound. Everything's so peachy down there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's ludicrous. But anyway, (laughs) Hey, see, I had to tie champagne and Atlanta together. somehow. Well done. But no, I'm, I mean, I'm a, that, those are good dad jokes. You, you're very prepared, Ryan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but you know, the thing is like, they're, they're going where their, their recruiting pitch is being heard. I mean, we've talked about in-state recruiting. It's important. Like, yeah. but if they're not getting, and especially in this class, I mean, I think we've talked about what's happened in 2021 and other than maybe a few guys in state, I think that's already kind of water under the bridge really. There's not much more they can do in this class unless they have a big fall and are somehow able to sway some guys. But, you know, they're, they're identifying some really good talent down in Atlanta. They've identified some, some great players. And McConnell uh, has a lot of similarities to Jamal Woods. You know, he's, he's kind of that a little bit shorter, but, but uh, pretty explosive and disruptive deep guy that plays D-end in high school, probably going to play on the interior in college. Looks like a really good three-tech. Um, and then – Leo Blackburn. I mean, the guy runs routes like a receiver. Yeah. And he's you know he's six four, six five, about two fifteen, two twenty. I, I would imagine he'll probably play senior year about six five, two twenty. You know, for a guy that can run probably sub four six, and and runs routes the way that he does at his height, uh, that's a tough cover. Yeah. Um, especially if he's getting matchups with safeties and linebackers. Uh, that's that's tough enough for a corner to cover because of the size difference, but. You know, if he's getting matched up on safeties and linebackers and running like that, that's that's pretty good. And, I, you know, his blocking on his tape was pretty good, too. I mean, he's definitely not Luke Ford when it comes to blocking. Luke Ford is is a guy that he hates whoever's across across the line from him whenever he's blocking them. Right. Um, but, you know, Blackburn's ability to just, like, get down the seam, get out in the open, um, his movement is is really good when he's when he's making his moves at creating separation. And that's one of the big things that really helps him get open. 
Um, but man, he's, he's just a matchup problem and he, he runs well. He doesn't look like he's awkward. He understands his body. Um, and yeah, that'd be a, that'd be an excellent pickup, especially given that not a whole lot of people were really talking about mm-hmm. him not long ago. And they just kind of came in here and really established themselves in that recruitment. Well, and we, we've talked about it. Hey, if you don't do well in state, it just means you got to pick it up elsewhere. And they've done that in Florida. They've done that in St. Louis. But so far in this cycle, St. Louis hasn't been fruitful to them. Texas so far hasn't been. Uh, so if you can get Georgia and Florida going again, and you can still get transfers, then you win. Right, you can win with those guys, and then hopefully the in-state guys uh, can come back to you. But yeah, I think those would be two fantastic additions, and the kind of Power Five players, Ryan. That you know, these are guys, and I know it's a low bar, but these are guys that if Beckman landed would be top of the class guys. Um, so you can see the talent level is certainly increasing, and it is interesting that that Lovey Smith, the res, he doesn't resonate anymore in state. Right? It's, it's not. The cell is not working for him in-state. Texas, it did. Is it still? Maybe not quite as much, but Georgia and Florida, he resonates, man. Um, they love him down there. And, and talking to some coaches, even on the Atlantic coast, like they, they love his demeanor, which I know some people around here don't, um, but they, they seem to, to love it, and he resonates down there. So if they like you down there and you can get good prospects out of there, keep going down there and keep prioritizing it because um, – Boy, Georgia produces three times the amount of you know FBS talent that the state of Illinois does. Not that you should give up on it. We've talked about it. You can't give up on your backyard. Right. you still got to recruit it. you still got to prioritize it. And you still got to figure out a way to get better. But it makes a lot of sense to put a lot of resources into Georgia and Florida if you can get guys like this out of there. Yeah. And we, as it relates to in-state recruiting, you know, we kind of talked about this. It's one of those things where as you start to win – then maybe the, maybe the programs in state start to come around. They see what you can do with talent. And then eventually you hope that they, they want to see what you can do with their talent. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think eventually what you'll see is Illinois will start to, the state of Illinois will maybe eventually start to warm up to this program if they're able to have success on the field. And, you know, which is why it's interesting now, right? I mean, that's why you make a bowl game and and you're still not, at the forefront and that that's where you got to figure it out if you're lovey smith staff like okay where's the disconnect is it us or is it just them not liking us right is it is it you or is it me yeah and and some of it may just be that we they don't quite buy in yet maybe they think that it was just a flash in the pan but that's why i think if you can continue to stack and build and, and keep that moving forward and that's why it's so important to not plateau you have to keep elevating the program and if you do so then i think people maybe start warming up to it start buying in but, you know, if you're able to go to a state like Georgia, that, like you said, has a ton of talent, state like Florida that yearly just right. churns out some of the, you know, the, the most talent in the country, um, South Carolina, Alabama, wherever you're getting it from. I mean, the Southeast is always loaded and the SEC schools can't take everybody. <laughs> um, so there's 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 more talent than they can consume. So that means that there's room for other programs to go down there. And so rather than try and try and fish in a small pond, go fish in the big pond and where there's, you know, the big fish that some of those schools are going after, then you can still catch your own fair share. Well, and to them, they don't know Illinois is this program that's been bad in the Big Ten, right? They just, oh, Big Ten school, Lovey Smith. I know that guy. And look at that facility. <laughs> like mm-hmm. that, like they don't. 
they don't have the institutional memory that that even prospects in state or high school coaches in state have. So I think that really benefits them that there's kind of this blank slate that you can go into with them, um, kind of like new coaches usually do. So I think that that really helps them. Uh, speaking of coaches, uh, the gifts from Illinois staff are always fantastic. Uh, I'm still waiting on Lovey Smith to tweet a gif just once, just once. I want to see it. I'm trying to speak it into existence, Ryan. What do you think he would tweet if he could tweet a GIF? Not that he's ever tweeted, actually, himself before. I, I have an idea. I think we need to revisit something that we discussed before. I think you and Lovey need to have that push-up contest. <laughs> I and put if, it out and there it, into, the, into and, the ether. And if you beat Lovey in the push-up contest, he has to start tweeting GIFs after commitments It as a favor to you. <laughs> <laughs> so that you know it's real. I, I just want to see what it would be. Like what what the gif lovey would I, I don't know if it'd be like funny. If I got to if I got to pick it, it would be a guy that's like clean shaven and then just all of a sudden just beard. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I don't know if it'd be like he has a wrestler or he has like a, a, a funk band that he likes. Um <laughs> or would it be a movie? I don't know if Lovey Smith watches movies. <laughs> I, he seems I, like a guy that reads a lot of leather-bound books. Yeah, or just watches ball. I, I don't know if it'd be like Erlacher or, I don't know, London Fletcher. It'd be, it'd be Erlacher's hair growing back in. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just like to see it. Um, all right, who's number one? Who's number one giffer <laughs> or jiffer, um, whatever you like? So, I mean, I'm, I'm a wrestling fan, Rod Smith with the Ric Flair. I, He's I like number it. one by far, number one by far. Yeah, I mean – it, we've kind of gotten accustomed to it now, but when it was first happening, I, you know, it really, it really stood out. Yeah. Um, you know, there's some other guys that have had some good ones. I think some um, of the grad assistants and staffers are probably better, like really good. Yeah. Some of those guys are good. Um, Bellamy's pretty good. Bellamy loves doing the Samuel L. Jackson ones. Yeah. Either that or uh, I've seen a couple, they had a couple of the Tupac ones. Um, I forget which assistant it is. One of them has Travis Scott with like the microphone stand over his head and a whole bunch of flames <laughs> just shooting everywhere, which is like every Travis Scott concert ever. Rob Delaney's pretty good. Got to give a <laughs> shout out to Rob. He did a Goldberg one yesterday. Yeah. I'm trying to think of who, who's a wrestler I would like to see one of them tweet about. Alir Amini use, did uses the, a gif. Alir Amini did the uh, white man can't jump. Oh uh, yeah, good. Sydney. Carson Hall does the wrestlers, which is always good. Mm-hmm. Those guys are pretty uh, good. If if you okay, I'm I'm gonna turn it on you. If you yeah. were a coach, uh, what would your what would your commitment gift be? And you can't. And I don't think I would use the DJ Khaled another one. That one's kind of played out. Like, what yeah. would your what would your gift be? It, I would probably like one of my favorite gifts because it's one of my favorite movies. One of my favorite comedies is Forgetting Sarah Marshall, and Jason Segel just does this little shrug thing. You know what I mean? Have you seen that gif where he just does this when uh, he's playing the joke on his sister-in-law about trying to get into the phone? You know what I mean? Uh, he talks about a necklace. <laughs> so uh, I would use that one, the shrug like that. Just be like, hey, we got, I got something, but I can't tell you. That would probably be mine. Just I, I, I think if I, if I had one, I think it would be – I either. Well, I, I'm a big Stone Cold fan, so it would either be a Stone Cold <laughs> gif or it'd be one of the rock turning his head and then doing the people's eyebrow. Yeah, if I did a wrestling one, Ryan, it would totally be Ultimate Warrior. Uh, just eat. with the ropes. Well, if there was a rope one, or like he used to do the pump thing. Like oh, when I yeah. used to get mad at my brother when we were like playing around, he was being too hard. I mean, I used to do that when I was like four or five years old. Um, or just there's one of like I think it's WrestleMania. Is it WrestleMania six when? Yeah, it was WrestleMania six when it was him and Hulk Hogan. And I think it's Warrior just sprinting. 
sprinted because that's what he used to do. But it's this huge arena, and it's just a really epic moment. I would I would go Ultimate Warrior if I was doing wrestling, which I love. I love that they're doing the wrestling thing because it's it's over the top emotion, right? Uh, so that would be my. Is there an underrated? I gotta get. We should get Berkland on here. Uh, is there an underrated like wrestler that should be tweeted more? I don't know. Hmm. I think if, like Yokozuna is there like a Yokozuna? <laughs> Doink the clown, uh, Doink. maybe <laughs> Doink the clown. Oh god! Um, I I don't know. I mean, maybe Diamond Dallas Page. That's one I was thinking of. Yeah. You know, have him do the do the you know the bang, like the diamond cutter. But yeah, J- uh, hacksaw Jim Duggan would be a good one. Oh, right, that'd be a celebratory <laughs> one. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, and Sting. So Sting, when he when he turned uh, to later Sting, he had he had his own woo. Too, yeah. like the, like that. You know, one of my favorite wrestlers was Bret Hart, but oh. I don't know if I, he's he wasn't that kind of wrestler. Oh, you could do, you could totally do um, X Pac. <laughs> That'd be a good one. There's, there's probably some good Triple H ones, but actually, Shawn Michaels would be a really, really good one. <laughs> that whole crew, that whole crew would be really good. How about what, like Razor Ramon? Oh, you, oh yeah. Um, you know what would have been a really I, I think I figured out what Lovey's if, if he oh. if he was willing to lean into it, I figured out what Lovey's wrestling, Re- wrestling? commitment gift if Lovey had a wrestling commitment gift, I figured out what it would be. Okay. If he would lean into this and embrace it. Give me a clue. Let me try and guess it here. Give me a clue. Oh man. Uh I'll I'll just tell you, Mark Calloway. See if you know your stuff. That's not Mark Henry, is it? No, okay. Mark Henry's world's strongest man. Right. Although I could, I could see Lovey being a Mark Henry guy. Right, he's from he's from uh, Silsby, Texas. Mm-hmm. You know, they <laughs> similar similar. Demeanor. I love that you know I, that. Maybe, maybe that's his thing. Maybe, maybe oh. that's his thing. But my thought was, you know, after this long drought of commitments, or this long drought between commitments, if literally like before any of the other staff com- tweeted anything, Lovey just tweeted the gif of the undertaker sitting up in the cast. <laughs> yes. That'd be good. Is that his name? Uh, Mark Calloway? Mark Calloway. Oh, yeah. that's such a disappointing name for the undertaker. <laughs> uh, oh, like wait, what's uh Hulk's is Terry Balea, right? Terry Balea. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's Randy Macho Man Savage would be a good one too. Yeah. No, th- th- I I thought about that Undertaker like after Moffat committed or the other day yeah, or whoever but, committed. But like if but like if it was just dead silent like radio silence from the rest of the staff and then all of a sudden this uncharacteristic tweet of Undertaker sitting up out of the casket off it's of Lovey's Lovey. official account. And that that would have been the best thing is it's Lovey, right? And you oh, have yeah. no idea what it means. That tweet would have done numbers. That that's why I think Lovey should tweet just once. J- just once. It can be in 2024 <laughs> when he lands a five-star recruit. Just once. Uh just do it. Just do it. Yeah. All right, this is fun, man. Appreciate it. Oh man, <laughs> that was fun. See, so you get a couple of commitments in here and just have a little bit more fun on the show. I know it's been a while since we've done a podcast, but uh, had some news this week. Was pretty busy this week uh, as well, and uh, hope you enjoyed this one with a lot of football analysis, but also some just stupidity of wrestling. And as a kid of the '90s watching Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warrior and Randy Savage and then the Attitude Era. Oh, man, takes me back in those days. But hope you enjoyed that one. If you don't already, subscribe to the website. we got a lot of premium content right now talking about football recruiting. Right now I have not 10 prospects to watch who could be next for Illinois in the class of 2021 based on what I've heard and what I've learned. Uh, You can check that out on the website as well. Uh, We'll have way more analysis. I've been doing targets of the day, kind of gets you inside 
uh, who these players are, their recruitments as well. And Derek Piper had a few notes on basketball recruiting as well that you might want to check out on the message board today. If you don't already, subscribe to our podcast. We appreciate you guys listening. Hope you guys are all healthy, uh, doing well, and getting through this together and staying together throughout this. Uh, glad you make us a part of your day. Hopefully we make it a little bit better. We'll talk to you next time on the Alana Inquirer podcast. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.